This is Dropped Among This Crowd, a podcast that dives into the music and community of improvisational progressive rock bands on Freeza Geese. Each week will feature a rotating schedule of insightful full show recaps, interviews with fellow Umphreaks, members of Team UM, as well as other musicians who have been inspired by and or played with the band. This is your place for all the latest news and happenings within the world of Umphreaks, helping keep you informed on what's been recently released or where you can catch the next show. I'm your host, Sarah Jaginiak. Thanks for joining me as we dive in. Are you prepared for what comes next? Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week of Dropped Among This Crowd. I hope that you were able to check out last week's episode where I chatted about Umphrey's Midnight Set at Peach Festival on July 3rd and the two nights they played at the Caverns Outdoor Amphitheater in Pelham, Tennessee on July 9th and 10th. There is a link in the show notes if you missed that and would like to give it a listen. This week on the show, I am very excited to bring you my chat with fellow Umfreak, owner of Crescent Sun Lighting and Nashville Heat Sauces, Clay Maddox. Clay and I talk about a whole bunch of topics like where his passion for lighting even came from, and his incredible and, I think, cosmic journey to starting his lighting business. We talk about meeting Keith Greiner and the path to having the opportunity to light wrapped around Nashville back in February. If you missed my recap about those shows at Chris's house, There is a link in the show notes where you can give that a listen. Episode 138, I believe that is. Clay tells me what it was like watching the whole event come together and then unfold live and what he learned from the experience. He also talks a little bit about the technical difficulties that they faced on night two. We talk about his other business, Nashville Heat Sauces, and how the idea for that all came about. Then he gets into how doing the lights for Umphreys in February helped bring the collaboration and their new line of hot sauces together. So that's awesome, like how it all ties in. Side note, I am so obsessed, like... I don't even think obsessed is the right word. Like, I am so in love with all of his sauces. All of the original ones I totally love. The smoked chipotle is my favorite. But the repeats of the Ray Dressed Repeat Umphreys ones, oh my god. I've never felt this way about a hot sauce in my entire life. I eat it on everything that is, you know, appropriate to eat it on. I just, I can't get enough of it. I've already ate all of it and had to get another one because I love it. It's so, so, so good. So if you're into hot sauces, check out his original ones and support his awesome small business. And I mean, obviously get yourself the Umphreys ones. 
such a cool thing for them to create. The art on there is really, really rad, too. Um, the one that I like is the Red Rocks poster art from this year. Um, the Rage one is a Brooklyn Bull print, but I can't recall what the year is off the top of my head. Um, but the artwork is really cool, too. So just from, like, an Umphreys merch collecting standpoint, it's really cool. But the sauces are really, really dank. So get some. If you haven't, get some. Really good purchase. And you won't be disappointed at all. I guarantee it. Like, seriously. So links for all of that, the Nashville heat sauce and Umphreys merch in the show notes. Get yourself some damn sauce. Anyways, we also talk about Michael Weintraub and Instrument Head and the cool stuff that they were doing last year and how that all plays into Clay's story too. This is such an awesome, awesome story. Just such a blast getting a chance to talk to Clay. And side note, we were just talking about Keith Greiner, who has also been a guest here on the show. So if you missed that, check it out. Another great conversation. If you want to laugh, like listen to that one. Keith is freaking hilarious. I love that dude. And I'm so grateful for just all the support he shows me for my art and stuff. And he's just such an awesome dude. So grateful for him. Check out his episode two, uh, 149 in the show notes. So a quick thank you to Clay for taking the time. Like I said, this was such a blast and I'm so grateful that we were able to virtually, air quotes, virtually meet and uh, chat. This was a lot of fun. We've been talking um, more since the wrapped around Nashville um, thing and his experience. So it was great to actually like hear more of the whole story and hear his backstory and stuff. So I'm really, really excited for you guys to hear this one. What's up, Humphreys McGee fans? It's Joel. Hope you're doing well. Got a very special announcement for you today. We are going to be doing a four-part podcast series with Sarah J. Dropped Amongst This Crowd podcast called Tales from Scamp going over all the greatest hits of summer camp over the years. You're gonna hear lots of stories from summer camp, tales past, stories including Humphreys and Huey Lewis, Gene Ween, lots of other cool stuff. So in celebration of 20 years of summer camp, I hope you'll join us in uh, checking these out. It was a lot of fun making them, lots of great stories. We'll see you at summer camp 2021. Before we get into that, a show announcement to pass along. Brendan and Jake, a.k.a. Shitty Limo, will be playing an intimate evening at Kenny's Westside Pub in Peoria, Illinois on November 5th. Tickets went on sale yesterday, and I'm sure that they are sold the hell out, but you'll still find a link in the show notes for all the info you need about the evening. Another quick announcement to pass along, in case you missed it, the location and dates for this coming New Year's Eve festivities have been revealed December 30th, 31st, and January 1st in Miami, Florida at the Fillmore Miami Beach at the Jackie Gleason Theater. 
This is the first time Umphreys McGee will celebrate New Year's Eve in Miami. So you know it's going to be a freaking party. UM VIP packages go on sale today if you're listening to this when it airs, which is Tuesday, August 17th at 11 a.m. Eastern. And the general on sale is tomorrow, Wednesday, August 18th at 11 a.m., also Eastern. A link for all of the information you need can be found of course, in the show notes. Do you create shirts, pins, jewelry, stickers? Maybe you make screen prints or sell other interesting products or art that you think peeps would love to get their hands on? Is your band looking to get some attention from fellow music-loving umfreaks? Maybe you provide an awesome service that could make folks' lives better or easier and want some like-minded clientele? Are you looking to hire some cool people to work with? Perhaps you have a rad idea for a podcast or some other creative idea that you think the community would love? Dropped Among This Crowd Media Company would love to help with space available on our podcast network for your Umphreys-related show idea, social media promotion of your band, commercial spots here on this show, as well as the other podcasts on the network, and more, Dropped Among This Crowd Media Company can help you be seen, heard, and reach tons of fellow Umphreaks, musicians, and other kind folks. Want to know more or have a question? Shoot an email to droppedamongthiscrowdpod.com at gmail.com. Here is my chat with fellow Umfreak, owner of Crescent Sunlighting and Nashville Heat Sauces, Clay Maddox. Yeah, I'll get to see them again. Uh, they're playing in Birmingham a week and a half. Nice. Next, next Sunday. I think that's nice. right. If I have any energy left after the rest of the week that I'm going to have, I intend to go back down there and say hello. I saw him in Pelham about two weeks ago down at the Caverns, so I've gotten a pretty good feel. Yeah, for sure. How was it with the above ground thing? I was at the Caverns last year when they did In the Cave. Those were like one of my last shows, um, but how was the above ground? I have no comparison. I've never been to one underground, so I don't oh, really okay. know how to compare, but as far as an outdoor venue, I've seen four shows there now. And it's great. Um, it works really well for the social distance environment, which is what they built it for. It, everything's either two, four, or six-person pods, and they're spread out really well across a large field. They've done a good job to make it so that the sound hits really well in the entire area. There's two entrances in and out. Um, and they don't sell too many tickets there, so it's kind of still has the intimate feel as if you were, I guess, in the caverns where it's just a smaller crowd. Mm -hmm. But for safety reasons, they've spread it out. And again, you're, if you haven't been down there, you're in the middle of nowhere, you know, it's a beautiful night sky, you're on the side of a hill and you can, you know, just the environment of being out in those in that area at night while a concert's going on is, uh, you know, that's half of it that just makes you feel good after everything we've been through in the last year and a half. So uh, it's been fun. I've gone down there a few times and, and we'll continue as as life goes back to whatever it's going to go. 
Nice. It sounds very similar to Apple Valley. Um, they, where I saw them here in, in New York, they just opened that venue just to be able to do concerts um, in that area of New York. And it's the same thing. It was the side of the hill, middle of nowhere, full moon, you know, beautiful night. And it was just yeah, like, oh, like yes. <laughs> Even if it's not a concert, it, uh, I think, you know, there's a very real thing that is the, there's, whatever happens in the in the coming months years whatever there's a, a reality that people some are going to feel safe going back to normalcy or whatever they were used to others are going to still want some sense of hesitancy so there's going to be and both sides are, are are right um but the idea of being able to have an option that is providing that safe space just to create more area for you to still go do the thing you want to do hear music or whatever it may be still somewhat socialize if you're if you're willing to and comfortable and, and everyone around you is but at the same point you kind of do have that built-in area and bubble to to still feel comfortable I, I i don't see that going away anytime soon so it's good that places like that there's a few here in the middle tennessee area there's another one called hop springs down in murfreesboro that had tedeschi trucks band a few weeks ago or whatever variation they're doing right now but same thing was a small brewery um, that had a frisbee golf field, uh, frisbee golf course out in their front lawn, and they pulled up the golf poles, put a stage in the back, created pod space, and turned it into an outdoor concert venue. They've been doing great. That's cool. So, that's very cool. That's where we're heading. I think. We'll I'm here for it. You know what? Even even without the whole COVID thing, I don't mind having the space. I always get like the drunkest guy in the room. Always wants to have a conversation with me. Always. So I'm like. Thank you. I have my space. <laughs> I, I am. I welcome uh, elbow room. I'm a pretty big guy. I mean, I'm I'm broad across the shoulders, and when I dance, I get a little space going as well. So I, inevitably, uh, I'll create space, and in a crowd, someone moving through the crowd sees a little bit of a vacuum, and they decide that's where they need to walk through. And then once one person goes, 95 people go by, go past them. So every time I'm at a concert, I somehow create the channel that other people choose to walk in front of oh. so now that that's gone i have really enjoyed like the pod space down at the caverns just being able to lock into an area and knowing it's my space and I, i'm not getting crowded i have been out a couple of times the first night i went out in east nashville i i, I don't drink anymore so i went into this place and, and it was a good time a bunch of people were playing music that were all locals and everybody was vaccinated and happy to be out but clearly people hadn't been out and hadn't had drinks and hadn't socialized in a while yeah. and after being there for like an hour and a half the people who i saw when i first got there you kind of have done the whole room and they came back around and i mean i won't name a name but the person was was clearly had a few in them and just face breathing on me i could feel moisture on my face and i was like oh no 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 this is what we got away from don't do this to me and I mean, yeah. of course they didn't mean to and they didn't realize they were doing it but it was certainly a moment i was like i, I kind of missed parts of the pandemic there were some things about it i kind of enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> for sure for sure <laughs> but yeah glad to be back to some sense of live music that's been that's the best part well it's like church you know it's it's the release it's to get away from all the shit so it's nice i have i have shed a tear at uh all three live big events that i've been to i've seen i've been fortunate to see a lot of small things in nashville throughout this thing but as bigger things have come back each one i've been to there's been a moment where i found myself just like oh so glad this is this still exists it's not just a alone memory i didn't make it up it's real it's still alive yeah so, yeah it, 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 it's it, it's good ground to have again for sure for sure so are you from nashville tennessee is that where you born and raised um 
Kind of and and no. Born in Texas, raised in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay. Moved to Nashville the day before 9-11 happened. So I've been in Nashville oh. for uh, almost 20 years now. So oh. I have seen Nashville change from small country town to the large-scale fraternity party that I think it has turned into. Uh, it's a lot of fun down there if you like that stuff, but it is, it, it's, it's changed the city quite a bit in 20 years. Um, but most of my, my growing up and, and scraping of my knees and things of that were in the Memphis area. So okay. um, that, that's, that's kind of where I cut my teeth and where I, where I grew up. Nice. I nice. still say I'm from Memphis, but Nashville, uh, Memphis is home, but Nashville is where I live. And I've been here for 20 years. Well, and you There's grew something. up there, you know, you, yeah. A lot of yeah, growing up happens in 20 years. Something about Memphis I can't get out of me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what I want to, but it, it's definitely in there. <laughs> so what kind of music were you into growing up? Uh, it's a great question. Growing up uh, in Memphis, you can't avoid the local radio is classic rock. Um, you know, didn't get a lot of the Elvis. It was everywhere, but we didn't listen to it a lot. My mother was a huge um outlaw country person like loved the guy clark and willie nelson and hank jr and that type of stuff uh so there was always some country around and my dad was into uh motown soul music things like that and then you have stacks in memphis as well so the stacks music was i didn't know it at the time but it was always being played around me i got older and realized wait i know all this stuff this is this is in me uh so kind of always had those things in my in my in my ear um had an older brother who was forced enough to turn me on to, to cool stuff when I was younger. He got me into to Pink Floyd and Steely Dan when I was in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, a little bit ahead of the game. Uh, I didn't get into kind of jam music until um, I would say I got into or I, until I left college, uh, kind of got a couple years into college and realized uh, I wasn't in familiar company, I would say. Started kind of want to do things differently than most of the other people that were there. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those things was my musical interest really got turned on by getting into the Allman Brothers, which had always been there from classic rock, the Almonds and the Dead, but found out there's more to this. Um, and then left college and moved to the beach uh, just to kind of figure some stuff out, wanted to bartend and, and beach bum it for a few years. And I did that and met a whole bunch of people that came from different backgrounds than me. And it was the best thing that ever happened. Oh, I bet. Uh, um, really gave me some perspective, introduced me to some new things. Um, and about that time, started finding more in different bands and music of all sorts, and then experimenting with other forms of life as well. Found myself, um, by the time I moved back to Memphis from the beach in the mid-90s, uh, I had been to several good concerts, had seen Widespread Panic several times, seen the Allman Brothers several times, had never seen Fish before. And uh, the guy I moved back in with, a high school roommate, took me to a Fish show. And I got hooked and started going as often as I could for uh, a good three or four years. Um, we started a band together. Uh, I didn't play anything. I wrote instrument. I wrote lyrics. He wrote the songs. Put a band together. Started touring and traveling. Uh, very much a jam band back in the late '90s. Uh, that band was called Yamagata. Nice. And then uh, I had a uh, uh, ended up having a kid early 2001, and uh, just kind of took all my priorities and focused them on him and really just walked away from all of that type of stuff. Kept listening to Fish, but at the same point, they went on hiatus. Um, and that's when I started listening to Humphreys McGee and um, got a few other bands that I listened to, but none of them were quite the guitar-based um, rock and roll that I really liked. Um, and so I started seeing Humphreys shows about that time. 
Uh, and then after raising my kid and seeing shows as much as I could, but not really getting a whole lot of uh, deep dives into things, he went through high school and moved out and I started having free time and have found myself fully immersed back in things. Yeah. God, yeah. That was a long answer to a simple question. What <laughs> The question was what music did I listened to when I was a kid? That was, no, that was fantastic. I love You're it. You're going to cut so much of me. I do this all the time. Such a, a meanderer with my conversations. No, so you're fine. great. No, it's fine. It's <laughs> fine. So then tell me, like, how did Umphreys come into your world? How were you introduced uh, the to them? Time I saw Umphreys McGee. I had heard of them. Uh, again, Yamagata worked in the jam scene kind of before the internet became what the internet is now. Um, there were still newsletters um, doing mailers and things like that. And you would try to get paired gigs through bands you had just heard of that were similar or big in, a, in another town. Um, we never worked with Umphreys, but their name was always coming up. Or this is, again, late 90s when, you know, they had just kind of gotten started as well. Uh, so I was familiar with the name of them quite a bit. And uh, the first Bonnaroo was when I first actually saw them. Um, okay. And uh, they came to Memphis uh played two or three different bars as they grew there i think newbies at first and then they played uh, a place called minglewood hall which they may still play when they go there um nice nice venue that opened in the mid 2000s saw them a few times there and then at a couple of festivals maybe wakarusa a couple of times uh and then when i moved to nashville and had uh kind of fully settled in here i saw them at the ryman a few times they played down on the river one time there was a riverfront park festival or they would do music every other Thursday or something a free concert downtown on the river and they played that one one time um and they just whenever they've been nearby uh or at a festival that I've been going to for a variety of reasons and they're on the bill then I've made a point to go check them out and they, they always drew me in because for a jam band guy you know they're heavy and, and I like that they, they, their their willingness to 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 throw the metal in is is what makes them Humphreys McGee it's what makes them stand out Mm -hmm. and, and I'm one of those people who, again, I've probably seen them. I was trying to look this up the other day to have to be informed. I think it's either somewhere between 13 and 15 times, which I guess would be 14, but 13, 14, 15 times, something like that. I've seen them. And I still maybe only know 10 songs by name. Like when I hear the song, oh, this is so-and-so. And, -so. and I, I, every show I go to, I'm, I'm whoever's next to me, like, what song is this? What song is this? And so many times it's one I've never heard before. And I've been listening to them for 20 years. I love that. That made the experience I had with them at the uh, uh, Wrapped Around Nashville so awesome because I had the set list beforehand. And so I could look and see, and then I, I had some sense of reference or at least the ability to know when a new song started to go, okay, I, and, and, and tie it all together because there's so much music. Some of it can get so heavy and so intricate with so many different parts and twists and turns that I would lose when one song became a new song or when one song just had several different parts to it. And so it was one of those things that it was really hard for me to attach them. And then when I had, when I had that experience by being able to work with them at the wrapped around and being able to see it all pieced out beforehand, it created just this, this three-dimensional thing that I had not seen from them before that totally blew my mind. That was just, so cool. it, was, it was almost a religious experience, like walking out just such a, such, just completely blew my mind. And then to be that close to watching Jake do what Jake can do and then just turn your head and see Chris doing what Chris does. There's a moment where you're like, I'm sorry, that's my drool all over your feet. Let me, <laughs> let me clean your face off. Just, I'd never been able to experience anything, but certainly not something with that much intricacy and talent and hard work you know, to watch it get put together 
and then see it come to life. It's the things that normally aren't, I've never had access to. And, and at that level, I, I was just, I, my feet didn't touch the ground for two or three days. It was just, I, found, I felt like I had found something that no one else had ever seen before. And obviously I was far and away from the first person to experience anything like that. But for me, it was such a new experience, even though I'd had so many other experiences with so much other music, it was such a unique thing that it just, it completely blew me sideways. Wow. Oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, so very, very fortunate to have, have had that, just that window into that world. Yeah, definitely. So then tell me about Crescent Sun Lighting. Where did your interest in lighting even begin? That I guess it goes back to working with the bands that I worked with in the 90s. Go on, we'd go on tour for a weekend run or something. We'd get to a club and they didn't have a light guy. They just had something. And it was usually a little 12 channel fader box. And I, since I didn't have it, I was never on stage or if we found somebody else to do merch, I'd sit back there and hit the punches. And it was a very big deal back then. Every light was a bulb and it had its own blue or a red. You know, you couldn't, each bulb was a fixed color and you had these large machines that you used. And so it wasn't something I was going to invest in. We weren't that big of a band, but I always liked doing it. Part of the thing that drew me in at fish shows was the light show was such a big deal. And I always, always just enjoyed that and thought to myself, God, that seems like a fun, if you can't play an instrument, it seems like a really fun way to be able to be involved with the music. So when I had the opportunity, I would always try. Um, so that's where the seed got planted. And again, I walked away from it all just to be a dad and, and had so many other priorities. And, um, the summer my son graduated from high school we were on a, a vacation and I was I was stressed and I was walking down the beach trying to figure out what am I going to do with my life I mean, it's been all about my kid for 20 years and he's about to leave to go to college and I, I had put so many things on hold I, I was trying to figure out how what do I start back with who am I just so many midlife crisis questions I don't know but certainly realizing I needed to figure out some things to 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 find some happiness and, and a path mm -hmm. and that day I was walking down the beach just thinking and I look up on the hill and there's this house inside the, the windows I see these really bright flashing sharp colored lights going off and on purples and greens and I'm like that's not your normal indoor lighting that seems weird and again at this point I hadn't even thought about lighting again I would just I noticed these really sharp colors and as I continue walking I'm, I'm getting closer and I can't stop looking at it it's drawn my curiosity in a big way and then I start hearing the music and I'm like is that the dead? And I get a little closer and it was, it was fish music playing. I was like, all right, I got to see who these people are. So I walk up and as I walk up, it's this very nice young couple that come up and start talking, very happy. I guess they just realized I wasn't a completely crazy person and, and <laughs> were welcoming me to their space. And, and that ended up being my friend, uh, Tram Fitzpatrick, who I'll, I'll tell you a little more about him. But we met that day and I immediately was like, what's going on inside here? These lights are crazy. Are y'all having a party? And he he's, was kind enough to show me no it's actually some some fixtures and and i've had these for a while i work some some lighting for some bands and some of some venues and uh and i was like you got that in your house and started talking he showed me some of the stuff and i realized it was a little smaller than i remember it being and you could get a lot more out of a fixture than what i remember and then he showed me that everything ran through a laptop that he had with some special software and pieces connected to it and and it just the light bulb went off i was like you you mean you can do all this in a computer bag basically and he said yeah i mean to a degree he was really kind, showed me a whole lot of starting points and, and little ways. And he was like, if you want to get into it, I'll show you a couple other things. Sent me some videos. And we just kept talking. Ended up coming back the next day just to hang out with him again, tell him thanks. And we start talking some more. 
I go into my history with fish and traveling bands. He goes into his history. And at his age, his band is Humphreys McGee, the way that fish had been for me. And he's telling me, I'm telling him the same things I told you earlier about how I got lost in songs, but I loved how, how heavy they were in the guitar stuff. And we just really started connecting and having a lot of fun. I said, you know what, I'm going to, I got to, I'm trying to find something to do back in Nashville. I'm going to build on this lighting thing. And one day if I can figure it out, I'm, you're going to be lighting Humphreys McGee. And this was, this was also happening when Waffle had announced that he was leaving the band. And uh, jokingly, he was like, I, I practiced all their songs. It would be so cool if I could get a chance to just show that I know how to use this type of stuff. And he, he has a career path. He would never have wanted to do it, but just the, the passion was there. Right. And for me, for me, just to, as we were hanging out and I was like, I'm going to find a way I'm just when I commit to something, I commit full bore. It would be so cool if I could find a way to, to connect all these dots. And so he put me on the path to buying some gear. I bought a bunch of cheap gear and some really low end stuff and just taught myself by YouTube University. Every few, every few days, I'd watch a few videos. I'd learn. I made so many mistakes. After playing with it by watching, what I was doing is I was putting it on, on my, my stuff behind me here. I would put a video on, uh, usually like a, a, a live concert of, Pink Floyd, The Dead, Fish, Umphreys, whatever. And I would just try to light along with it with my little bit of gear. Went out one night, there's a local band here that's called The Stolen Faces. They're a Grateful Dead tribute band. They travel all over the South. They're excellent at what they do. Uh, they, they give the catalog their own approach, but it's, it's still very true to the songs and very authentic um, as far as the vocals sound like Bobby and sound like Jerry. And the, the, when they're playing the songs, they hit it. When they jam, they give it their own approach and, and they're good at it. And I, I was going to see them pretty regularly. And one night I finally went up to him and said, look, you guys, I noticed you don't have lights at some of your shows. And I've got this stuff. It's pretty easy for me to bring around. Would you, you care if I come and kind of guinea pig on you? And they're like, I mean, if you want to try, as long as you don't blind us, we don't care. And so I started doing shows for them about once a month when I could. And eventually I got some more gear, ran into some other people through that. One of them is an Allman Brothers tribute band, uh, End of the Line, who, again, travels all over the South. They've been playing with Marcus King and Peter Levin. Uh, they're, they're doing fantastic. Um, but again, started connecting with those guys that did the same thing for them a few times. And then after about a year of doing that type of stuff, last summer, um, a guy you may have heard of named um, Michael Weintraub, who's also instrument head. Mm -hmm. He's a photographer here in Nashville. He's, he's great. Got, he's, he's connected to all types of people. He has a really unique approach towards how he does his photography. Um, and he's really good at networking folks. He's always invo involved in things. And he was starting a process during COVID of doing live streams and concerts from his studio. And one of the weekends they did a Jerry weekend to, cause it was Jerry birthday weekend and you know, that whole time. And so he had a couple of other local bands that kind of play in that scene and the stolen faces. And when he called them and said, do you want to do it? They said, well, we'll bring a guy who can do some lighting. So by doing that, I met Michael and his staff and they said, since your stuff's here, we've got some other things we're going to shoot. Do you want to just, leave your stuff here for a little while since you're not using it. I was like, sure, I, that would be great. I would love to practice. Give me a chance to meet some people and to, to learn some things because I, I still have no idea what I'm doing. Absolutely <laughs> no clue. Completely guessing all the time. But I've been fortunate enough to bump up against some people who do know what they're doing. And they've said, hey, push this button or what you're looking for is this button. And it's just like that moment when it goes black and white to color in uh, Wizard of Oz. I have that once a week, somebody tells me something I didn't realize I was missing and it makes everything change. So that kind of started it in from a hobby I was doing in my house and playing with another band into something that really became a project I was doing regularly and trying to get better at. Got some more gear, um, got really engaged with those guys and um, 
Michael's assistant, not assistant, but Michael's partner uh, is Greg Burns. Greg used to travel with Green Sky Blue, uh, excuse me, Green Sky Bluegrass. Now he travels with Toby Keith. Um, he does sound and stage production. And he, during the, during the pandemic, was getting hired a lot for private events and getting some, some bands that needed somebody to help do the stage production for whatever it may be. So he brought me along to a few of those and, and got to meet a few more people. And again, got a few more pieces of gear and then stumbled into two or three um, local venues here that have said, when we have these types of bands, we'll give you a call and bring you in and make, our, make the show a little bit more of a show than what we would normally have. Through that, I got fortunate enough doing live streams with Michael and Greg, they needed somebody to do the video content for their streams. And they use a lot of different people, but for one particular occasion, they called in Keith Greiner from Fierce Photography. And Keith was doing Keith's thing, working. I mean, if you've met Keith, yeah. he's, he is a lovable Tasmanian devil. There's yeah, that's perfect. Something. I love <laughs> Keith so much. He's so great. <laughs> I don't know when or how he sleeps. Uh, yes. he, he's a wonderful person. He's been absolutely amazing to me. Same. Um, but he, uh, he was working one of the events and I was doing lighting there and we really didn't talk the whole time. And when I realized, I saw that the name of his company was Fierce Photography and spelled with a PH, I said, is that for fish? He was like, oh yeah. And so we immediately connected on having been fish fans for, for years. Um, and we started talking a little bit more and then he asked, he, he started talking to me about the lighting and realized that it was my gear. It wasn't stuff that had been rented that I was just using. He said, you mean you can take that wherever you want? Yeah. I've got a thing with Darius Rucker next week. Do you think you can bring your stuff with you? I said, I'll find a way. Yes, I will. That would be awesome. And so he brought me to do one with Darius and uh, it went, it went well enough to where we've continued to be able to do those on a, I mean, it's all Keith Steele, but he's brought me along to do several of those over the last year. We've probably done 10 of those. So your question was how did Crescent Sun Lighting get brought around? And it started with literally met Tranum on the beach and jokingly said, I'm going to do this thing to the point that I'm going to have you one day, we're going to work on this thing with Waffle leaving and somehow find a way for you to get to light Humphreys McGee. And just by putting a little bit of gear, a little bit of fuel into it and, and being honest and trying hard and making mistakes, but still being, you know, going out and putting my, putting myself out there and the pandemic happening, I fell into this spot where, Lighting is normally an extremely expensive and large scale process, but because my stuff is so small and mobile and I found some local people who were trying to keep things going, they needed something that worked on a smaller scale and they were willing and patient enough to let me make mistakes while they were also kind of learning how to make their stuff work. Keith had just gotten into video. Michael and Greg were just getting into doing their studio stuff and they don't always work together, but all of it fell into this weird pocket for me. And, um, uh, all of that led to me doing enough shows with Keith to where when he did the um, presentation to Humphreys to do uh, Raft Around Nashville at, Keith, at Chris's house, uh, part of the deal was, you know, we don't want to do a full lighting show just because it's his basement and it's really not necessary for the vibe we're trying to do. And I guess Keith sold him on something and said, I've got a guy who might, it might work perfect for what we're trying to do here. He called me. And it was kind of like when he asked me about Darius, I was like, I'll figure it out. But yeah, I'm doing it. Whatever I got to do, let me know. And I'm doing it. And immediately hung up the phone. I called Tranum and I said, you're not going to believe this, but <laughs> I, need you, I need you to be here for three days in February. Actually, at that point, it was the last weekend in January. They had to postpone it. And I told him why. And he was like, I will close my business. This is hilarious. We're going to do this. And so he and I have become even closer friends. I think he and Keith are friends now. 
And uh, I, I, it all falls back to him pushing me slightly down the path to showing me that it wasn't as difficult as I thought. Me realizing I got to do something with my time and I can enjoy this and learn and be around people who are doing things that I would be around anyway. Um, part of it is having quit drinking. I needed something to do to burn that energy when I was going out and listening to music. So being able to engage in some way instead of just sitting at a bar or whatever was very healthy for me. Um, and then falling in with Keith and Keith being the kind of guy who he's just such a hustler. <laughs> he does not stop. And he, mm -hmm. he wants to do more work. He wants to do good work. And he really wants to work with people he likes working with. And we harass the shit out of each other. He gives me more crap about using uh, boomerangs, which I love for my lighting because it shows that they move, but I don't have to do a whole video. And he is not wrong at all in pointing out that those are supposed to be used for teenage girls or college people giving toasts. And they harass me all the time about it, but that's okay. That's what friends are for. <laughs> for uh, sure. So yeah, it, all, it all comes back to really that lucky moment of, of uh, I don't want to say the stars aligned, but I was looking for an answer literally walking on the beach and found one sorry uh and literally found one in tranum and then through his little bit of inspiration met key who then wrapped me and tied me back into what inspired me to make it a business instead of a hobby and then has brought me along to some really big time things to give me some legitimacy and some opportunities to learn more and through that, the fortunate chance for me to keep my kind of joking word back to Tranum and say, come on. And then that brought him in and he brought some stuff with him because he, he knows more than I do. And basically, I kind of helped set up the thing and, and worked as a tech and, and, and Tranum ran the show and he, he knows the song so much better. So he was able to make it awesome. I would have I would have made it look decent, but I would have missed a lot. Tranum made it look awesome. And so I was it, it ended up being this thing just kind of like. Karma does exist. You know, when you, when you, does. when you, when you put your word out there and you try to do good things and, and you, and you put energy behind it, good things will happen. hundred percent, hundred percent. So working with Umphreys in that capacity, what, what did you learn from that? Wow. Um, a, I learned that they are the, just super cool dudes. Uh, like watching them hang out with each other and their interaction with me being, you know, from their perspective, they're coming in to do a show during COVID at Chris's house. They're recording during the studio. They're, they're, they've got some professional things to be doing in a short period of time. And I'm someone who's basically a tech trying to work around them. Um, but inevitably in a small space like that, there's moments where you're taking breaths and you can't help but bump into each other or talk or whatever. And I was fortunate enough to at least have a little moment with all of them and some laughs and realized, you know, these guys are, are just like all the rest of us there and enjoying the things in life they enjoy. Uh, I think Stasic was huge in some betting lines. We were talking about that quite a bit. I figure out Always. who could get, yeah, who could get a, a good angle on a good bet. Um, and then just watching the, I, I touched on earlier, watching them not necessarily plan it out, but at least come to some agreements of what should or should not happen over the next hour and then make sure that that happened. And then really the thing that that found most amazing, I mean, of course, working with, with Kevin was great. He's the guy's busy. He's a, he's a pro. He knows what he is doing. There's a reason he is doing the job he's doing. He's the, he's the guy for it. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, just getting to interact with everybody was really cool. But when everything went down Saturday night and the, the webcast cut out, the decisions being made were 100% fan related. 
it was, what do we do to make the fans want this? We're doing this for the fans. How do we make this work for the fans? The fans are going to be pissed. What do we need to do? And, and you know, the band is in there like, what do we do? Like, I would be pissed if I was one of them. How do we make this work? And as to say, I mean, anybody's going to be a little pissed if you pay for something and it doesn't seem to be working and you're not getting what you paid for. But at the same point, you can only do what you can do in, in the current times with the technology. And there was absolutely nothing at fault of, of the crew that was there. It was, it was a, a Comcast local cable deal whoever it was, Comcast, Verizon, whatever. But the care that went into, we need to make this right for these people who care for us was really impressive. They could have easily just gone, yeah, fuck it, what are we gonna do? Put your stuff away, let's go grab a beer. But they were like, no, what, what do we do? And then as it was cutting in and out, like the, the commitment was quickly made, let's play through, let's get a good set out, let's make something that, that's a good product that people will be happy with, and then we'll get it to them as quickly as we can get it to them. Let's play, we're playing which was, of course, the right thing to do. But then there were moments where it would kind of cut back on, it would cut back out, and hearing them, like, try and talk about what kind of joke can we come back in with, and, like, should we, should we jump back in with them in the middle of a story? And just hearing the, uh, you could tell that's a band that's been together for a long time, and they all love each other. And they really care about their fans, and that, that tight thing that they have with not only themselves, but with that community that is their community. And you often wonder, does a band recognize that? Do they really care? Is it show? Is it just stuff they put out there because they want to keep people buying tickets? But to see the amount of care that was really put into it was really impressive. It, it, made, you, it made you want to continue to support them, without a doubt. I, like, it was totally, I was like, that's awesome. I'm so glad that they, they really care because so many bands don't. Yeah. Yeah, or they lose touch with it. They did, and, and then they kind of lose touch with it. And even after all these years, they're still you know, so connected to their fans. And I really don't think there's like any other band that's really like that. I, it, you know. It's such a cool community because it is, a, it's, it's not small. I mean, you know, there's Humphreys fans all over the country, but it's not, they're not on the billboard when they're coming to town, you know, with, you know, everybody's driving by going, oh, you know, it's not, it, it's, it's a very, specific tight-knit group of people who get it they, they're in on and it's not being in on a joke it's being in on a passion mm -hmm. and they, like realize, they they realize as as artists I mean I didn't they didn't say these things to me but from what I saw they realize as artists that they're lucky that they have fans who enjoy what they do and they love getting to do what they do so how do you make sure that happens is you love those people back and you make sure that they're they they, re, they recognize that feel that you know it's one thing to say I love you it's something else to give you a hug and and I would say that that's what they're what what I saw from them is we need to give these people a hug because they deserve it why wouldn't we right. so yeah yeah I mean and there's a lot of bands that reach a point of, of of getting bored with the whole process or getting comfortable with the money they make and you know nothing wrong with that it happens but it was just really cool that that Humphreys was it was truly sincere to them that was it was so cool to see that that's awesome I love that so much so let's talk about your other business, Nashville Heat Sauces. Yeah, so I, I have mine over here too. <laughs> I have my Umphreys ones down here on the floor. <laughs> yeah, a bunch. I will say I am obsessed with those original ones that you sent me. They're so so good. This one we didn't we didn't open this one yet, but the other two we've the you rest and the, you haven't opened the rage yet you're, you're still a little scared <laughs> yeah a little scared we're not ready but this the repeat one is is my favorite one this garlic habanero is 
Uh, that is uh, that is a, a global sensation. I am I'm obsessed with with all of your sauces. So anybody listening to this, if you didn't buy any of these, the original ones, buy them. They're really, really it. good. They're really good. So this is a 180 from lighting. So yeah. let's talk about this. Where'd your passion for hot sauce come in? Uh, that it kind of became its own thing. Uh, similar process. Uh, it wasn't quite as immediate as, as getting back into lighting, but there was a moment near my son's end of his high school time where I realized I needed to make some changes. And every Friday night before a football game, there was a group of dads. We would always meet at this local restaurant right around the corner from where his team played. And the place really focuses on farm to table food, local brewed beers. Um, they specialize in cocktails that are made from local distilleries here in Nashville. Uh, local bakeries, everything about it is is locally produced local product, except when you sit down at the table, the last thing I had was a bottle of Tabasco. And I looked at the guys at the table and said, we can do better than this, can't we? I mean, we got to know somebody here in Nashville that can do better than this. And prior to what I do now, I had been in the restaurant business for years. So I knew some people who were in the um, uh, private test kitchen business where or, or just um, you know, just private facilities. So if you needed a large batch of, of something made that you only use small quantities of, but didn't want to have to make it every day, they would do it off site for you. So I knew some people, knew some recipes, um, had a friend who worked in a, a similar situation with another hot sauce company and all the things kind of aligned. And I thought to myself, you know, Nashville's kind of currently the I heart NY of the late seventies and early eighties. You know, you saw those bumper stickers and t-shirts everywhere. And now it's, it's Nashville, this Nashville, that, and that, combining with ha having a friend who kind of already had, had been in the business, having some people who knew how to get it done. And that moment at that restaurant, I was just like, I think I can do this. So started making some phone calls, came up real quickly with the name. Um, I didn't want to be Nashville hot because Nashville hot chicken is everywhere. I did want to use the name Nashville because again, I just, it has a draw by being for, for what Nashville has become. Um, and I was listening to the radio and uh, it was one of the Titans players was being interviewed after practice one day. And he said, you know, we're getting used to what it's like here. But some of these teams, when they come in early in the season from somewhere up in the Northeast, they're not going to know what to do about the Nashville heat. And I was like, that's what I'm going to call it, the Nashville heat. Um, and then the put some twang on that thing was kind of a happened sitting around a bonfire, just people sitting around joking one day and had a um a an acoustic guitar and the string was really untuned so it was twangy and we were joking about the word twang and how it can be a flavor and a sound and then all of a sudden I was like that fits with what I'm trying to do with the hot sauce and the Nashville theme and then Lo had a guy that I worked with at my other company that was a graphic design artist he worked with me on the pick design and, and a couple of the other things and all of a sudden in about two weeks it was there um oh. And so it started with uh, about three local restaurants, and now I am in the airports, I'm in all the gift stores in downtown, trying to keep it where I'm only in local Nashville-based retailers um, and some tourist spots. Uh, I don't want to be in Kroger and Publix. Um, I may eventually because business would be great, but I like the idea of, of really trying to keep it local. Um, throughout the time of the pandemic and whenever I do lighting, I love taking a case of hot sauce and I've got some picks. Excuse me. I'm back. I got these little picks that I made. Those are cool. 
Um, that's neat. And again, that's the logo. Just I cut it out and made it into guitar picks. That's cool. But so whenever I go to these things at Instrument Head where they're filming a deal, or if I go with with Keith to uh, Darius's or any of these other gigs that I've been doing lately, I'll take a case of hot sauce and drop it off of the band and give them some picks. And I've really tried to associate it with the music industry because it means a lot to me and I'd love for the people who are in it to enjoy my product yeah. and or tell people they should use it so uh constantly pushing it which is another thing Keith makes fun of me about because he's like I brought you here to light and you're over here selling hot sauce again um but I uh it, it's an easy conversation to have so what happened we were at uh the wrapped around nashville and i brought a couple of cases and actually i had done lighting for kick the cat chris's other band at instrument head two or three months before we did the wrapped around nashville i don't even know that chris knew i was the same person but he had i had given him some of the sauce previously um so when i showed up he was like oh yeah i remember this you're the sauce guy and i had a, a, a couple of cases with different flavors and it's like you guys are all here take them back home with you wherever you're going give them to the band whatever they're for y'all and as we were packing up and leaving uh i had thought about it beforehand how i was gonna do it but i just i bumped back over to kevin and said you know i know you guys do kind of different merchandise and and you know in all honesty there's a lot of people who kind of hawk stuff and take your name or some of your imaging and just put it on something and sell it out there it's a coaster a frisbee whatever i don't want to do that i I'd, I'd like to to see if you guys are interested maybe in 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 using some of my flavors and some of my production and and you guys doing your own brand of hot sauce and i can't remember who it was i think it was stasic was like oh hell yeah do it <laughs> he kind yeah. of overheard us and and I, I guess that was enough for Kevin to to take my number. I don't think he was really that interested in it, um, but it was enough for him to go ahead and take my number. And uh, we just kept talking. And I, and he put me in touch with Rachel. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Yeah. Um, and she was amazing. I, I mean, of all the vendors and people I've worked with, and the whole time I've worked doing hot sauce, if even half of them could do half of what Rachel does my business would be off the ground. <laughs> She's incredible. She is. She's incredible. Right. I love her so much. Amazing. Their whole team is made. Um, yeah. But yeah, she she was really, really helpful in tying me together with people who did artwork. I, ha I have some, FDA has some regulations on how things are have to be, some how some things have to be worded and what has to be on a label for it to be sellable. Um, and so we had to go back and forth a few times to make sure everything fit right. And she was right on it. Um, I gave them 12 flavors to choose from. They narrowed it down to the three that they chose. Um, and then we, you know, they pulled the trigger and, and we're like, let's do this. We were originally going to have them unveiled the weekend of Red Rocks, but Red Rocks does not let you sell glass merchandise. And so they didn't want to sell glass hot sauce bottles. So held off for about a month. And then we uh, went first sale the weekend they were at the caverns down here in Pella. Which makes great. more sense, though, because it's the whole local thing. So it, it made more sense for them to be selling it there. Well, I don't I mean, I don't think to be honest, it, it doesn't it, it'd be great if I get some light on my other business through it. Uh, but, I, you know, it's not Humphrey's position to promote me or where it came from. They, they want people to know that they have a, a cool and good flavored hot sauce that their fans should enjoy. Uh, so I don't I mean, I think they did say in their email that it was made by a company called Nashville Heat. But. Um, I think they would have been happy and, and to, to unveil it anywhere. Um, I was, it, it was cool for me just to be able to go down there and kind of see it happen. I stood by, um, uh, are you familiar with Sam? Yeah. Yeah. Sam's a friend of mine. Yeah. He was, he was selling it all. And I just kind of stood off in the corner and watched. And I, part of me was like, man, 
I need you to work some of my shows for me. I mean, he, he had them out there and was right on it and people come up and ask and he didn't have to say too much. He was just so good at letting people know you're going to love it. You're going to love it. it does, just trust me. You're going to love it. And they were selling really, really fast. That made me so happy. So um, I assume I haven't seen or heard much. I did hear from Rachel that they've, they've been doing well. Um, and, you know, there may or may not be uh, uh, more surprises to come. Nice. But yeah. So are these limited edition or are these going to be able, are these going to be around for a little bit available on your site long-term or? The, there is a current um, limited supply that is um, my deal. I, I'm not selling them. I mean, if you go to my website and want to get one, some of the Umphreys, it's just going to link you to the Umphreys site. Um, they, they got a lot. Um, so they, their intent is to be able to, you know, take it with them on tour as well as sell it online. Uh, I'm assuming that it's doing well enough for them to be in, in a, you know, a conversation that we're having about uh, refilling their order so that they can continue the line for as long as people continue to be interested in it. Um, and so that's a good thing. And like I said, there may or may not, just depending on a lot of factors, um, be some other things coming around else, which are exciting, but we'll save that for another one. For sure. We can, we can always, uh, always chat again for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, was, I was, I was trying to get them to do six flavors and kind of like they did the candles and do one flavor for each band member. That's a cool idea, but it would have been, I think there were good reasons to not, and there's that ends, you end up with a lot of hot sauce and, um, you know, it, a lot of Umphreys fans, I'm sure, you know, I don't think Umphreys puts it out there for that reason, but there are a lot of Umphreys fans who are going to buy a, what Umphreys puts out because they want to support the band. And I don't think they wanted to put out a line of six hot sauces and then have their, their fan base sitting on six different flavors of hot sauces that they may or may not enjoy all six flavors of. So I think they wanted to start with three. And uh, like I said, we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, I think they did a good job of cutting it down to the ones they did. Uh, there was a, a huge debate on what the rage should be between the ghost and another really hot one. And uh, I don't know. I, I wish I could have been in the room when those votes were made, but uh, I know how it came out with the ghost pepper. Uh, I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't know who put their foot down or, or how the votes fell, but uh, I know that it was, it was debated. <laughs> nice. I I'm excited to try it a little nervous, but I'm excited to try it. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I make hot sauce, but I'm, I don't eat the ghost pepper in my stomach. My stomach is like, it, I mean, it tastes really good, but there's a moment where I just, it's, it's too hot. It's, it's the highest rated pepper that I make a sauce out of. So it, it, it comes with a verbal, uh, caution. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so if you could work with another band on a hot sauce collaboration, who would you like to work with? Um, I have, like I said, I've given sauce to a lot of people. I'm working on one right now that is going to be a jalapeno flavor. That is, if you do much with sauce, that's, you know, it's usually a green one. Uh, so it's going to look different than what you've seen from other ones, which are either a smoky brown or, or mostly orange and even some kind of uh, golden, depending on those peppers. The jalapeno one is green. Um, it's kind of a camouflage green. It's a great fit. I'm working with Quentin Gibson, who is the guitar player from Darius Rucker's traveling band. And okay. he is the, or one of the um, sponsors for a company called Guitars for Vets. It's a charity where when veterans return home from military duty, 
the ideas that money and goods that have been provided to the charity are then turned into providing guitars and guitar lessons for vets who want to learn how to play. Um, and I was like, I'm all behind that charity. I think that's awesome. I would love to be a part of that. Yeah. So one of the Q and I were talking about it for a while and um, he, I had just given him some sauces and he liked them anyway. And I, I said, Hey, this was after I had started the work with Humphreys and kind of um, got a little more comfortable with the process of, of branching out beyond my own name. Um, and I kind of explained to him the process and said, if you want to still do this with the charity, I can find a way to make it work to where I can contribute all proceeds and or, you know, whatever sales we get, we'll, we'll put towards, you know, benefiting the charity. So he's very busy now that touring is back and the people who run the charity have all kinds of things that they do as well. So I know that it's in the works and I, I want to get that done. Um, so we'll be seeing that one soon. The logo is really cool. The colors look cool. It's just a matter of getting it out there. Uh, I have every time I go see a show, if I'm going to buy a ticket for a band, I'm going to do everything I can to take a case of hot sauce to them. I do the same thing with stand-up comedians. I love stand-up comedy. So Zany's here in Nashville. I've gotten to know the owner. He knows if I'm coming, I'm going to bring him a case of hot sauce. I'm going to give some to the, to the comedian. Um, so when I go to the Ryman, I've seen, um, I've seen Trey at the Ryman and dropped cases off at his tour bus. I've given cases to the Tedeschi trucks band a couple of times. Um, I've sent, several to the team from goose uh and i've worked with and given tons to people here in nashville billy strings uh kyle tuttle um who else did i work with that i could that i talked to him about um i've been super lucky through the connections that, with keith and instrument head to get to work with some people who i never would get a call for i'm not that kind of pro but They've given me the call, and every time I go, I give them sauce, and I say, you know, if you're interested, I would love to uh, to work with you. My favorite bands are your guitar-heavy jam rock bands. So, Humphreys was right there. Like, uh, there's not much more of what I would like to have the ability to say I have some type of you know association with, just for the fact that I love what they do, and I'm I think they're such good people. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to say, you know, to be attached to, uh, I could be attached to some bands that may have a bigger name value, but they're also dicks and I just don't want to do that. So it's very yeah. nice to, to be associated with people who I don't have to say anything about. I just know that good stuff's happening. Um, but as far as other bands that are out there, I would, there's all of them that I named, if they wanted to work with me on a, on a true way and build a couple of sauces, I would do every one of them in a heartbeat. I would love it. Um, but again, my, my favorite things are going to be your guitar-based jam bands, and, and that, that's what I listen to. And since that's what I listen to and that's what I'm around, there's not, anybody, there's not a lot of people who have a, a private-labeled hot sauce. So you know, if I can get them to get on board, uh, I'm the guy to do it. I know how. <laughs> that's awesome. I love these. I think this is a very cool collaboration, and I'm all for it. And everybody in the community is super excited for it, too. People have been buying it up. I hope so. I, I've, I've had a few people locally who've, either told me they got some or they know somebody that got some and certainly that they've been you know eating it up and enjoying it and I got a few extras that I've given to some people around town and of course they're they're all over it so I, I feel really fortunate and and just happy that a little bit of time and a little bit of work and a little bit of let's do this for the sake of of having a good project and, and working together came to something that hopefully people can enjoy and and, and will continue to. for sure so what do you eat it on 
are you do you eat have you put it on like is it chicken or scrambled eggs or burrito? I, I eat it on like everything i eat hot sauce on like everything so unless it's like obviously like a fruit or something but like i put it on everything i just love hot sauce on everything so there is a girl at my day office who puts the garlic habanero on pineapple I could see that like that I could get behind. I think that would probably be like one of the only fruits you might be able to do that with though. I mean, I couldn't even watch her do it, but she did. It. I don't think I would do it, but I could like, I mean, I think that would be the only fruit that would <laughs> maybe make sense. I don't think there's anything else that would maybe make sense. That garlic carbonara sauce is bomb. I love it. It's so good. I think that was her point. She was like, I would eat that on anything. And somebody said, would you put it on fruit? Somebody put it on a pineapple and she ate it and then was like, I kind of like it. And now she she does it. Yeah, the uh, pineapple might be, you know, cause the sweet and the pineapple might be like a good, I didn't you know, try. balance, but. I didn't try. I get it though. <laughs> I mean, again, go for it. Why not? But yeah, hey, we might I, have my, to try it. <laughs> my favorite of mine is the smoked chipotle. Oh, I uh, love that one too. That's in, my other favorite one for sure. It's a good one. It makes its way onto just about anything that comes off the grill. And uh, I do like some pulled chicken and things like that. And then I'll mix it in with some seasonings and, and give the, the chicken kind of a, a whole sauce type of flavoring. Um, and then of the Rage Rest Repeat, the Mango Scotch Bonnet, which is the rest, mm -hmm. is just such a weird little twist. Um, my daughter, my 10-year-old really likes that one. That's cool. Yeah, she's really excited about these. She she can't wait to try the ghost pepper one. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, I want to try it. <laughs> my my friend who kind of helped nudge me into this whole thing, his kid loves spicy stuff. And he requested a, I mean, they've just got their own box of nothing but ghost pepper. And his kid puts it on everything. He's like, he can't even eat anything else anymore. He's ruined his taste buds. <laughs> wow. That is <laughs> hardcore. He doesn't have flavor anymore. He just ghost pepper on everything. Yeah, he's he's a demon. Oh, what's wrong with him? His poor stomach. <laughs> <laughs> He's tough. It's good to be young, I guess. For sure. Give him a couple of years. It's not going to be the same thing. All right. So <laughs> what's uh, what's next for you uh, music-wise? Music-wise, um, well, hopefully Umbel, um, depending on how things go here in New York in the fall, because that's in October. Um, for that. Yeah. I'm I don't hoping. know that I'll, I'll make it. When I bought tickets, uh, things were different. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to, but I, and if I, I don't know, but I've got tickets in case anybody's yeah. listening and looking for tickets, I may have a couple extra. <laughs> may have a couple <laughs> extras. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I really hope it does happen. I've never been to Umbul, so it'd be great to, to experience that at the Capitol theater. But again, we'll see how it progresses the coming days and weeks for sure. Well, what else do you listen to outside of Humphreys McGee? Uh, I love Billy Strings. Actually, I'm, he's coming here this weekend and uh, I'm not going, um, unfortunately, but I love Billy Strings. I see seen Billy Strings a bunch of times. Um, so good. He's so good. Like he just, I saw him open for Humphreys, uh, my last two shows in Asheville, uh, Valentine's weekend in 2020. And it was just like, it was probably one of the only times very few times where I was just as excited to see the opening band as you know the headliner he I had the experience this exact same thing that happened with him 
or with, to me with him as with Jeff Sype from Aquarium Rescue Unit and all those other bands, drummer, uh, which was I knew the name, had heard the music, but had never seen even video or live and in person. And for Billy, the first time I saw him in person, it was me, Billy, his bassist, Royal, were the only three people in a room. I was doing lights. And then the video production and audio production crew were in a different part of the room. And again, had never seen him pick up a guitar. Within three minutes, I was a changed person. Same thing had happened with Jeff Sipen that when I first saw him play, it was a rehearsal before a show and it was him and the band and me and two other people watching the rehearsal. And it's the most natural and effortless like the perfect, the, he is supposed to be playing guitar. There is nothing else Billy Strings, maybe fishing, but as far, as far as his mission in life, he found it. Not everybody finds their thing that fits so perfectly. And for mm -hmm. him, he, he literally, it was, it was like the guitar just floated into his hands and the notes just started coming with him being like, oh, that, my hands go there. How neat that that works out that way. And his voice is just effortless. Absolutely mm -hmm. blew me away. Completely amazed. So. Yeah, I can see why you would want to go see him again. Yeah, <laughs> he's yeah, he's he's phenomenal. And you're so right. It's it's almost otherworldly when he gets into it and he's playing. It's like it's almost like it's just he's just standing there and it's just coming out of him from who who knows where. But it's yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, he's just the conduit. It's just flowing through 100%. him. He doesn't even know. He just turns on and it, it happens. It's uh, it, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I saw so, him sit in with Umphreys twice and it it blew my mind both times. It's incredible. I'm happy to see him playing electric. Yes. Yes. I, I Watching him and Jake go toe to toe was definitely I hope oof. that continues. Because he's a metal guy. When he when he plugs in, he knows what to do. I, yeah, I, he does. I hope he continues to explore that and does I mean, he's so good at what he does on on the bluegrass side. It'd be he he'll never get away from that but i hope he at least keeps that door open to, to continue to play electric because it's fun oh yeah for sure and he knows it i think he will oh yeah yeah so other than billy anybody else on your list that uh coming up soon uh actually i have tickets to see genesis in november i'm pretty stoked about that okay who is yeah. genesis now uh well let's see phil collins is not playing drums his son is playing drums now okay is it still three drummers? I think no, there's there's just the two. I don't know if there's the second guy there anymore. If it's just Phil's son with just a massive kit, I'm not sure. But Rutherford is there. Um, so it's just the three of them. And then the other, I can't, I'm spacing on the other guy's name right now. I suck so much. <laughs> there's there's band like there's bands like Genesis and King Crimson and Yes, and a lot of those bands that were really founders of the fusion type of stuff that I enjoy, but they haven't done anything new or experimented much in the last 30, 40, 50 years. Mm -hmm. And so when I go see them, my expectation is it's so divided. Either this is going to be amazing. They're going to tap into what made them what they are, or this could potentially be terrible. And I give, I'm such a harsh critic. I give zero middle ground. It either has to be amazing or it's going to suck. And it's totally unfair, but that's how I go in. I felt the same way too with seeing and like I got classic rock bands and I really wanted to start seeing more of them. That was like something I was doing in 2019 and trying to do more of. 
first of all, because everyone's getting older and, you know, some of this music, you're just never going to be able to see. And now, especially with COVID and everything just being so unpredictable, it's like, I want to see these bands. Like I saw Elton John in 2019, and that was probably one of the most phenomenal shows I've ever seen. Like I was blown away by how good it was. I'm like, is, is it going to be this good? You know, Elton John's been doing this for so long and he's always been so over the top and this whole thing. And no, it was incredible. Like it, awesome. it blew me away. It was so awesome. So I'm like, I'm so glad that I saw this because it was so good. I had that similar with, with both Tom Petty and um, Paul Simon. Mm-hmm. Both were on the bucket list. And I, I had seen Petty at Bonnaroo several years ago, but it was, you know, off in the distance, other stuff going on. Didn't really pay much attention. Um, but I, at uh, Bridgestone Arena here in downtown Nashville, both of them had come in the last few years. Petty, I guess it was five or six years ago before he died, of course. Um, and both times, it was, this guy's been around for so long. I know, already know all the songs. And again, I like guitar-based jam rock. I want to be engaged to be listening for improvisation. And I knew neither of these was going to bring improvisation at all. But both shows, by the third song, I was so glad I was there. It's like, yeah. oh, I know every word of these songs. And they're great songs, fantastic songs. And just one after the other after the other. And, you know, again, Tom Petty passed away. and Paul Simon quit, quit touring. So we're definitely at that point where those classic rock ones, if you can and you care, might as well go ahead and see it. Yeah, that's how I felt, too, when I heard Genesis was coming. I mean, Genesis was a huge band for my dad, and he was a huge Phil Collins fan. And so I I grew up on a lot of progressive rock and classic rock. And so for me to be able to go and, and see them, my dad passed away in 2006. So having, you know, seeing this music now kind of keeps that alive for me. So I was like, I got to go. They're coming to Buffalo. This is this is it. I'm, I'm yeah. going. So, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. So you've always been a prog rock person. How, how, and when did you find Umphreys? I actually found Umphreys through Mo. Um, I was always really into prog rock and classic rock. And I took a little bit of a detour with Dave Matthews band in high school, um, and started following him around. And because of him, I started, hearing more about Mo and being from Buffalo and central New York, they're always around here. They have their festival up here. And I went to summer camp. Well, actually there's, there was a free music series that they used to have here in Buffalo. It was called Thursday at the square. And in the early two thousands, they had like the best bands would come through. I mean, it was insane. John Butler trio, tea leaf green, Mo yonder, Umphreys, like everybody came for like these three summers and it was free every Thursday and downtown Buffalo was like the coolest thing ever. And so 2007, I was starting to see some more Mo and they were there and somebody was like, oh yeah, Umphreys is coming like next week or whatever. You should come. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Okay. So I come and I'm like, this is, this is fun. Like, this is really awesome. And yeah, I'm like, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'm so glad I came here. This is free and this is fantastic. And so 2008, I went, me and my girlfriend went to summer camp and our motivation was to see Mo because there's so much Mo at summer camp and I left there and I'm freak and they only played at that time they were only playing two sets you know it was only 
a couple years that they had been playing the festival. And so it was still really early for them being there. And I was just like blown away. And so from like to May of 2008, that's it. And it's just, I was all in. That's awesome. Was there a song uh, or was it just the experience of the live show that pulled you in completely? It was, it was the live show. It was also the, I mean, obviously, you know, the prog rock aspect of it where I was just like listening to it and it would just remind me of all this music that I grew up listening to. And so that was a big piece of it. And also it was kind of like circumstance in my life, like where I was in my life allowed me to really like get into it. And then it was like the lyrics, like Bayless writing these lyrics really spoke to me like at that time in my life. And so I think that was a big piece of it too, was just where I was. It was just like kind of the right time. And I needed to just feel that music that way. So I think a lot of it had to do really with circumstance almost in a way where I was like ready to, to hear this. And it helped a lot during you know, that season of my life. So I think it was some of that too, but also just the experience and the respect that they gave to the songs that they covered. Like it wasn't just, oh, we're going to cover this Floyd song because we're at a festival. Like, no, we're going to blow everybody's fucking mind with this Floyd cover, you know? Like they gave so much respect to the original song. And like, that was always a big deal for me. Like, I hate it when people cover a song and it's awful. I'm like, you should just especially have not even bothered. Band, especially if you like prog rock and it's Pink Floyd. Right, right. And that was the thing is like, they can that. play this and like they play this and it's phenomenal. Like it's so good. And yeah. so that's what I really respected about them too is that they respected the songs that they covered. I don't remember what they played at my first probably two or three shows. Again, a lot of it was there was just so much going on. I do distinctly remember, as you were saying, the prog rockness of it, having a thought that for me, again, being a, a improv jam rock guitar guy, there was a moment where I had to stop and think to myself, no, no, a lot of this was pre-thought out. Like they, they, this isn't all improv. Like a lot of these little twists and turns and punches and 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 jumps were planned. And then when you when you take a step back and look at the whole show and all the songs and all the times I got lost, it was I was just like, that's they really put a lot into that. That's impressive. And for me, there was a moment when I went, they played at the Ryman, I can't remember the year. Uh it's somehow, but they played at the Ryman and I was supposed to go with a friend of mine they backed out at the last minute and I was hesitant to go by myself it was a weeknight and I was just giving myself all the reasons why I shouldn't go and finally I was like I got the tickets I'm gonna they're awesome why am I not why am I even worried about this I'm gonna go and I end up getting there a little bit late and have you ever been to the Ryman I have not unfortunately not yet not yet <laughs> you will, you will. Uh, I love upstairs is where you where you should be and even upstairs in the very back there's walking space that if you're not abrasive they'll let you hang out back there and dance and just create some space I mean if you're being an asshole they'll tell you to get out of the way but you know where where to kind of be and how to do it and I found myself in the space just kind of absorbing a lot thinking about the fact that I almost didn't come and you know as you said circumstance and they played glory and I had never heard that song before and it was again it was an instrumental 
but I, well, maybe I'd heard it, but I didn't know the name of it. And it being an instrumental, there weren't any words attached to it. And my best friend, his favorite thing to say whenever we saw each other and gave each other a hug was for the glory. And we would hug each other and say that. So I'm sitting here and again, that song, just such a great guitar line, so uplifting and so just such a release. And I, I was immediately captivated and drawn in and they, they gave it a good run. And I tapped the person next to me who clearly knew what was going on. So what's the name of the song? And they said, oh, it's Glory. And I was like, I know it is, but what's the name of the song? <laughs> I didn't realize that was the name. And he started laughing. He said, the name of the song is Glory. It was like a who's on first moment. And all <laughs> of those things kind of, all those things kind of synthesized into me realizing how happy I was that I was there at that moment. And I would, and almost didn't come. And that kind of pushed me from going to see Umphreys to I'm really more in, I'm very interested in what's going on here. And has continued to lead me to see more and more shows since then. But like, I distinctly remember having that moment where I wasn't engaged in the music in front of me. And that song just grabbed me from the very back of the room and pulled me into what is happening right now. Yeah. And that doesn't happen often. So I was, it was, it was, it's good when it does. For sure. I think Ocean Billy was a song for me that really like blew my mind. And again, I mean, the, the progginess of it for sure with that song is so intricate. And I just, I love that song. I think that's one that was like, really just got me so, so into it. And I, people ask me all the time what my favorite song is. And I'm just like, I don't, it's going to change tomorrow. So I don't know. I, I don't really think I can answer that. <laughs> Not possible. That, that changes every day with every band for me. For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, it's your I, I mood. Love, it's all about your mood. I love trying to pinpoint. I mean, I, I love being around people who are truly passionate music lovers to the point that it is the thing that drives them and to try to pinpoint when and where that happened yeah you know, for every for everyone there was a moment whether you knew it or not there was a moment that you chose to take to take a turn down a certain path that has led you to where you are and it's awesome to try and figure out when and where that happened whether it's with a particular band or just in life in general mm-hmm. so. That's one of my favorite things about doing the show and talking to people. That was actually one of my motivating factors for starting the show, not only to talk to all the incredible people in this community, but to, to hear what, what is your journey to Umphreys? You know, we're all here. How did you get here? You know, I, I just love to hear that story because everybody's story is so different, but there's so, there's so many similarities to it at the same time. And it's, it's incredible to hear how everybody got here and how different but similar we all are. I just love it. I think it's so cool. There's something amazing about that feeling of, as you said, we're all here. So how did, now that we're here, shed all the other shit, how'd you get here? None yeah. of you, the shirt you're wearing doesn't matter. Whether your shoes are tied doesn't matter. You're here now. How, how'd you get here? And what, what made you want to be here at this moment? And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's what it all boils down to, without a doubt. For sure. For sure. Well, this has been really wonderful. Is there anything else that you would like to promote or anything while you're here? No, I, uh, I, I, I don't think I have anything to promote. I'm uh, happily got hot sauces. If anybody's interested in them, you can always uh, send me a message if you want to try them and see what's up. I'm, I'm pretty open to, uh, I want people to, I'd rather people try them than not try them. So everyone should try them. I'm, I'm officially saying get them. <laughs> I, I, I love the Rage Rest Repeat. You know, I, I think they've done a fantastic job of, they chose good flavors. I love the artwork. Uh, I, I love the way that they um, have packaged it and put it out there with a package deal. Um, and 
have the little experience I've had with them, I can see the different personalities and how it came to be. You know, we got to do something that works for the fans and that represents the band as well and has the, some diversity in there. So uh, if you haven't given them a shot or if you don't know somebody who has or who has not and uh, is interested, definitely give them a poke. Let's put them on something. And, uh, you know, it's a good gift. Definitely a good gift for an Umphreys fan. 100%. I agree for sure. Yeah, and if you're in Nashville at any point, I uh, I do lighting all the time around Nashville and love it when people come up and say hello, uh, as long as I'm not in the middle of pushing buttons during a song. But it, it, every time I, I love it when people come up during a set break or during a slow bit, just introduce themselves and say hello. I do uh, shows just about every Monday at Acme Feed and Seed right on the corner of Broadway and uh, uh, the river down there on First Avenue. There's a thing called Grateful Monday basically a variety of either jerry band or grateful dead tribute bands and i go in and try to make them look a little more like a live show than just a band on a stage um so yeah if you're in nashville and uh have a chance to come by look for something to do on a monday night that's somewhere i'll always be and give me some suggestions or pointers nice very nice yeah and thank you so much i'm, I'm so glad that uh We've had a chance and we've kind of talked through emails and texts God, over the last four or five months, ever since the wrapped around Nashville thing. I don't know if you've had a chance to talk to Tranum. Uh, he's an okay. awesome dude. I will be happy to connect you if you'd like to. He is. That would be great. Fan. He, I don't want to, I don't want to take his story away because he has his own great story, but he, when he was in college, booked Humphreys to play a private show at his college. And I believe he may have sat on stage with them um okay he may have sat in with a different band that played the next night i can't exactly remember the story um but i know that it, his experience of having umphreys come to his college him being the person who booked them while also being a college age fan is a an interesting tale <laughs> oh i need to hear this then yeah. so yes please please connect us that would be and, fantastic and he runs a uh, he runs a booking agency so he works with a lot of um up and coming bands trying to help them get in front of more people uh he's all up in the music business and uh he knows a good bit about lighting too if anybody wants to rack his brain i don't want to sign him up for shit but call him <laughs> i'll give you his number <laughs> awesome uh, yeah if, you, if you'd like to talk to him i'll certainly connect you with him off air he's an awesome dude just got married and uh his wife's great as well her name's rachel that's awesome yes i would love to talk to him that'd be great um, yeah. awesome well, uh, well this yeah. is a lot of fun well that's everything i have for this week of the show. Thank you again to Clay for taking the time. This was so much fun. There are a bunch of links in the show notes for anything that Clay and I may have referenced throughout our chat, where you can find Crescent Sun Lighting and Nashville Heat Sauce. Also tucked inside the show notes, you'll also find links for a vault stuffed with past episodes to binge on, where you can book a conversation and be a guest here on the show. I would love to chat with you, so book a time. There's also some links for where you can snag some DATC merch, check out the new Umfreak Spotlight, and so much more. So make sure you check all of that out. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Mad love.